Well, you can turn your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We'll look at the first nine verses this morning. The text is also in the bulletin on the next page. Um, We proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is King. We're always talking about Jesus. This is one of the aspects of him that uh, we find most important, one of the aspects of the gospel, the good news is that Jesus is king. It's understandable that people would resist uh, such a statement. You know, it's good news that Jesus is king. They'd resist that as good news, per se. Earthly rulers don't usually like being told that there's a king above them. Uh, We don't like the suggestion that we need a king or that someone would claim authority over our lives personally. We prefer our own autonomy. Autonomy is uh, self-rule. We prefer... Our self-rule. We don't want some king telling us how to live our lives down to every detail. Uh, We're suspicious of those in authority over us. We're jealous of those in authority over us. At the same time, being suspicious and jealous of those authority, we we grasp for that power. We grasp for authority over other people whenever we can. If anyone's going to have the authority, it should be me. That's the way we are. Sinners have a distorted relationship to authority. So the proclamation of a king, it might not sound much like good news to us, but the proclamation that Jesus is king, that is good news. That's the very best news. Everything about Jesus is good news, especially his kingship. His kingship uh, changes everything about our perspective on authority. It changes everything about our relationship to authority. So that's what we'll talk about this morning. Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, we pray as Moses prayed so long ago, show me your glory. Show us your glory. Paul says that you have given us the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would show us Jesus. Help us with all the saints who have ever heard your word to be reborn and to be renewed by the glory that we see in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, I've got a little note on, um, this is just totally side note, Uh, a note at the bottom of the page here where the text is printed, it says words marked with an asterisk, uh, translate the Hebrew dabar, usually translated word, shows up four times in our passage. Uh, It's, I, I couldn't figure out a way, I couldn't figure out the relevance of that, so just sort of ignore that. Basically, I'm calling attention uh, to something that you should ignore. So, <clears throat> yeah, all right. Um, who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There's no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. 
All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I know a lot of people uh, have a hard time with those in authority over us in uh, high positions in government recently. Uh, Whether you've had a hard time with Trump recently or with Biden currently or with Kate Brown, uh, many of us cringe, many of us bristle at their exercise of authority. Maybe some of you have protested government actions. Maybe some of you have uh, seriously considered civil disobedience over some matter of conscience, over certain rights or freedoms that you feel are being violated by those who are in authority. Maybe you've even considered aspects of anarchy as a political ideology. I don't know. Maybe you can live with the policies. Maybe maybe the way government is acting right now, it's not too bad. You can put up with it. But you just think that the people in charge happen to be fools, or you complain about them, or you neglect to pray for them. And then you hear Paul saying something like he says in Romans 13. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Or something like Peter says in 1 Peter 2, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors. And then you further cringe and bristle and complain and just focus on the potential opportunities for civil disobedience because, after all, these are human institutions we're talking about, human authorities. We've come to expect pretty bad things when it comes to human authorities and we feel it would be better, it would be smarter, it would be wiser of us just to be ready, just to be ready to disagree, just to be looking for those areas where we disagree ready to disapprove and criticize, ready ready to disobey if and when the time is right. We lean toward saying no to the authorities rather than saying yes. We lean toward wanting excuses to disregard the authorities. We lean away from submission and toward rebellion because emperors and kings and presidents and senators and governors and mayors in this world, they're always ruining everything. Human authorities are the worst. But guess what? Jesus' authority is a human authority. Jesus is the highest human authority. Yes, he's God the Son. He's God in the flesh. He's had God's authority in his perfect divinity eternally. According to his divine nature, he's got divine authority, and he always has. But he's also a human being, and it is as a human that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him, as he said just before ascending into heaven. So that's the wonder of the ascension, which uh, the church calendar observed this week. It's Ascension Sunday today. That's the wonder of it. Jesus didn't stop being human when God raised him from the dead. Jesus didn't stop being human when God exalted him far above all the heavens and seated him at his own right hand, on his own throne, gave him his own power. Jesus didn't stop being a human when he was exalted to the highest place like that. God the Father has withheld nothing from Jesus, from the man, Jesus. So it's as a man that Jesus wields God's own authority. And this is the foundation for how the scriptures talk about our new relationship to authority. We were suspicious about authority. We were resentful about authority. I would have thought it best that I was the only one who had authority especially over me. 
until God came into the world and he exercised true authority as the man, Jesus. He said things, like he says in Matthew 20. I think this is printed there in the bulletin, one of the quotes. Speaking to his disciples, he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of the nations, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. He's pointing out what Ecclesiastes says in our passage this morning. He says in verse 9 that under the sun, man has power over man to his hurt. Apart from relationship with God, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the way that people exercise authority. Apart from relationship with God, when, the, when people live as if God were not real, authority in this world, human authority, is, is abused. It's corrupted. Those in authority use their power to dominate others and to exalt themselves. But Jesus says to his disciples, to his church, to people who live in his kingdom and who acknowledge his supreme rule, he says, it shall not be so among you, for whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, he exercises God's authority. This is what we see in his life. This is what he's talking about. And it's not an oppressive, domineering power. It's the authority of service. It's the authority of self-sacrifice. The true king gave his life to ransom his beloved people, to save them from spiritual darkness, from sin, from death, from the wrath of God's own holy justice. The true king was willing to go to the cross for his people. And the true king rose from the dead for the sake of his people also. He says in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 10, no one takes my life from me. That's what it looked like to all the world that the authorities took Jesus' life away from him. But he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. Death and resurrection. That's his authority. And he says, this charge I have received from my father. He's received this authority. So, when Ecclesiastes wrote, it was true. In verse 8, it was true at the time of Ecclesiastes. No man has power to retain the spirit no man has power over the day of death. But the good news is now a man does have power, does have authority over the day of death. He does have authority over uh, the spirit of life. This king, Jesus, has pleased God in every way in his exercise of authority, never using his power to oppress, always using his power to bless his people, defeating the devil as our champion, defeating death on our behalf, winning eternal life, and resurrection glory for his people, for all who trust in him. And again, in all of this, Jesus is exercising human authority. This is what human authority really is, what it really should be, what it really can be. And it's the same Jesus who ascended into heaven who continues to exercise human authority over all God's creation. He said uh, at the, the Great Commission, the passage you know, we should be familiar with as a church. Matthew 28, <clears throat> all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Because of this authority, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. 
So his authority is an authority that serves. It's an authority that promises everlasting presence. It's an authority that commands nothing more than what it demonstrates. He's not asking any of us, he's not telling, commanding any of us to do what he himself has not done. It's an authority that exemplifies and commands love. So John 15, the gospel reading that Nathan read. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we know his commandments are very good because he cares for us. He loved us. He laid down his life for us because he came healing and proclaiming freedom and restoration and joy. And he commands us things like, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious for anything. He commands us things like, believe in God and believe also in me. Trust me. And love one another in my name and share my love with others and bring them to me so that I may bless them. Love abounds as we obey this king. His is a good human authority. And Ecclesiastes says in verse 2, keep the king's command. Because of God's oath to him. So this was originally spoken to God's people who were being called uh, to submit to the son of David who ruled over them. People of Israel, people living in Judah and Jerusalem, called to submit to the son of David whom God had anointed their king. And one of the major promises that we find in the Bible is the one that God made to David, we find it in 2 Samuel 7, where God says, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be to him a father, and he'll be to me a son. So God swore to David. God made an oath. God made a promise to David, to establish the kingdom of his son, to establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And God has fulfilled this promise by establishing Jesus' kingdom, his throne. Jesus is the king of glory who has ascended into heaven to rule over all things for the sake of his people, for the good of his people. And it's because of God's promises to Jesus. It's because of God's special relationship with Jesus. Because of God's oath to him that we're called to submit to Jesus as our king and do whatever he says. Keep his command. We're to see in Jesus the glorification of human authority. This is what God's own authority looks like when it's exercised by a human being. So, verse 3 of our passage, Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause. For he does whatever he pleases. His authority is good, so why would you look to escape it, to go from his presence hastily, to get out from away wherever Jesus the King is? Why would you look to escape it or to rebel against it, to stand in an evil cause against him? Do you cringe or do you bristle or do you complain about Jesus' human authority? Do you insist on your own autonomy and say, well, if anyone's going to have authority, it'll be me? Look, Jesus' authority, it is a threat to your autonomy. Yes. But that's a good thing. Because look, where has your self-rule gotten you? Our rebellion against God's authority was completely unjustified. It was completely and utterly foolish and has only brought ruin and misery into the world. Jesus' authority is a threat to your autonomy. 
But that's only a threat to the part of you that wants to have nothing to do with God. That's only a threat to the sinful part of you. That's only a threat to the part of you that resists communion and eternal life and resurrection glory. So that's good. It's good that he threatens that. It's good that he threatens your autonomy. You don't need to squirm and be itching to get out from underneath his authority, be hasty to flee from his, his presence. His authority is the only good authority. And the best thing that we can do is to embrace it. Verse 5, whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. It's good for us to confess Jesus as Lord, to bend the knee to him. It's, it's good. His authority is good. It's also absolute. His authority is absolute. It would be futile to try to escape his authority or to rebel against his authority. Verse 4, for the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Jesus is the highest human authority that there is, and we can be thankful that he is. Instead of resenting, instead of being suspicious, we can be thankful. He restores our faith in God's authority. He restores our faith in the fact that human authority can look exactly like divine authority. But we struggle with some of the things that he says about our relationship to authority, like in Matthew 22, where he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Caesar was an evil tyrant. Where he says, pay your taxes, or be subject to governing authorities, be subject to every human institution, honor the emperor, the emperor who went around conquering all the nations through violence. Honor them. I mean, come on, Jesus, we can submit to your perfect authority, we can submit to your beautiful authority. But how could you expect us to submit to the seriously flawed human authority of tyrants like Emperor Nero under brutal Roman occupation, or even to submit to the authority of people like Trump or Biden or Brown. I don't even want to pray for these people unless it's praying imprecatory psalms against them. But Jesus, the king, the highest human authority, says that to submit to his authority will include submitting to other human authorities under him. So, again, Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution for the Lord's sake. All right, so Phil Riken, <clears throat> I think I quote him pretty much every week. His commentary is really good. His commentary on Ecclesiastes, he says, our submission to authority on earth is one important part of our submission to Christ in heaven. You listen and you submit to every human institution because of your relationship to Jesus, the high king. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Who can say, what do you mean, Jesus, telling me to submit or honor or pray for these human authorities? He has spoken. His word is supreme. And if you're going to respond to Jesus with faith and with trust, if you're going to keep the high king's command, then it'll change how you relate to these other authorities as well. Even when they're corrupt, even when they abuse their power, It'll change the way that you relate to them. How we relate to authority in human relationships is so important that it's, it's in the Ten Commandments. It's actually the first commandment that there has to do with how we relate, uh, how we relate to other human beings. Right? The first four focus on our relationship with God, God himself. And the fifth says, 
honor your father and your mother. The first thing you should know about relating to other people. Honor your father and your mother. That's a foundational commandment for how we're to relate to those who are in authority over us. It says there are people in this world who are in positions of authority over you. That's good. That's natural. That's how God set up the world. And you should relate to them with care and respect and honor and submission. If you're one of God's people, saved by his grace for a new relationship with him, then he changes how you relate to other people in this world. If you bend the knee to the crucified and risen Lord Jesus, then you'll become the kind of person who looks for ways to obey him, which means you'll be looking for ways to be subject to human authority. You'll be leaning toward saying yes to them rather than saying no. Your inclinations will change away from being resentful or suspicious of authority. And you'll have this new inclination, new tendencies actually to submit to authorities, to honor them, to thank God for them, to pray for them, to celebrate them as much as possible. That doesn't mean, I know I've got to give this caveat, you're already thinking of it. It doesn't mean uh, unquestioning blind obedience. The apostles themselves said in Acts chapter 5, we must obey God rather than men. When the the men in authority over them were going to prohibit them from preaching the gospel. Well, we can't do that. We can't stop preaching the gospel because we must obey God rather than men. If there's ever a conflict between Christ's commandments and those of other humans under his command structure, well, we obey Jesus because his authority supersedes them all. The human authorities who contradict the commandments of Christ are abusing their God-given authority, and we want to obey the one who has all authority and who's never abused it. But if you're always exploring the boundaries of your submission, where are the boundaries? Getting right up to the edge of that. If you're always seething under authority, if you're always looking for excuses to disobey, well, it might indicate that your focus is stuck in the wrong place. If Jesus is renewing your relationship to authority, and rather than Really looking forward to the day when finally you get to commit civil disobedience. (laughs) Um, You'll be leaning toward respectful submission whenever possible. Whenever possible. You'll be hoping that it'll always be possible. You'll pray for the good of those in authority. So that's, you know, Paul says that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we take it to heart and we pray this way frequently in our prayers of the people uh, corporately during worship. He says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings, thanksgivings, be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So our high king wants what is good for all people. And he makes it possible for us to care about the good of all people, even for the rulers who can easily make life difficult for us. Jesus gives us this renewed uh, relationship to authority, this this new wisdom for life, as Ecclesiastes talks about it. Here in verse 1, he says, um, man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. So the The crucified and risen Lord Jesus has power to take away our bitterness and our hardness. 
toward human authority to soften us and to change our countenance and give us a humility and a gentleness and a compassion that makes such a difference in our souls, makes such a difference in our relationships that it even becomes visible on our faces, visible in our eyes. The way of the high king is love. His command is love. So keep the king's command. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you've set Jesus as king over all your creation, and that includes over us. First and foremost, you've made promises to him, and you have fulfilled them. You've established his throne forever. So we pray that you would help us to be so overtaken by his majesty, the majesty of his self-sacrificial love and his power over life and death, that we would embrace his rule with fear and with joy, And we look for every way possible to do what he commands. We pray that you would change the hardness of our faces toward human authorities. That you would soften us so that we'd be subject to them for the Lord's sake and only for his sake. And help us to pray for their good. Help us to pray for their blessing. We do pray for our government and for all those in high positions. For their souls, for their spiritual life for their relationship with you, and for their work, that they would do good and not evil. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.